G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. G'day and welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. On today's episode, I've got Tom Critchlow of the SEO MBA. Uh, g'day, Tom. How are you? G'day. Thanks for having me on. For people that have tuned into this before or haven't, we basically speak to SEOs from some big world-leading brands that everyone knows. We speak to thought leaders, SEO educators, people from MarTech brands. Tom's uh, SEO MBA is really, really well known within uh, SEO circles, both in Australia, in the US, and all over the world. So we're really keen to get him on. Now, before we find out more about the SEO MBA and his journey and the like, we do open every podcast with one question. So, Tom, I'm going to throw it at you. What is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2022? Uh, I think it's the same challenge as being last year, same challenge as going to be next year, which is getting buy-in and getting things done. Yep, getting that buy-in, 100%. So let's get into it. So Tom, as I kind of mentioned, I touched on a bit briefly before you jumped on, your name's come up a bit in a few of the podcasts, and in a good way. A, a continuing theme in lots of the people that we speak to and something that's really stuck in my mind has been the way that uh, soft skills are, are really underappreciated as a very important part to to being a really good SEO, to being a world sort of best practice SEO. And, right. you know, I subscribe to your newsletter and that comes across lots. So I'd, I'd really like to, before we get into that, just talk a bit more about yourself and, and how you found yourself creating the MBA and, and becoming someone who is, is disseminating all of this information. So how did you fall into SEO yourself? I got into SEO because of my brother, um, Will Critchlow, who started the agency Distilled way back in the day. And uh, it's actually yep. my brother that I kind of credit yep. with a lot of this, a lot of the SEO MBA thinking that I have today because my brother worked at a management consultancy before he got into SEO. So, uh, you know, crunching yep. spreadsheets and doing that kind of pure consulting lifestyle. And then when we got into SEO, this is in the UK in like 2008, let's say, it was obvious that the way the SEO was delivered as a, as a kind of pure like off the shelf service didn't meet the needs of big brands right i remember we we worked with amazon uk um you know back when amazon uk was just building a kind of digital team uh, dedicated to the uk market and they didn't want they didn't want a kind of a, an seo agency that was just going to like farm out some title tags to an offshore team or or you know whatever they wanted some thinking right they wanted some people to actually kind of show up and, and think about their specific problems and their specific challenges and uh, a lot of that mindset and that kind of thinking about you know dealing with clients trying to focus on getting things done, you know, consulting challenges came from my brother's influence over me and his influence from working a management consultancy um, where, you know, you're getting paid a lot of money. It isn't about off the shelf solutions as much as really trying to understand client problems and client solutions. Um, and so back in Distilled, back in the early days, we always had this focus on it's our responsibility to get things done, right? So if we make a recommendation to a client, we do an SEO audit or a deliverable and the client doesn't implement it, right? Then that's our fault, right? That's on us. Um, and that was kind of yeah. our, our mindset from day one. And, and that stuck with me through my whole career, which is, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not good enough to do the work. You actually have to care about kind of what happens to the work afterwards, right? Who's going to, who's going to pick up the baton from, from where you leave off. And that's kind of trickled all the way through to the SEO MBA that I launched last year, which is, you know, just seeing this kind of gap in the, in the industry around, around soft skills, about communication skills, um, consulting skills. 
And what is most um, interesting is that SEO as a discipline uh, it relies on these skills so much because the SEO team, <laughs> whether you're in-house or whether you're an agency, the SEO team almost always never has like a formal reporting structure, right? It's like the SEO, you have like products over here, marketing is over here, and then like somewhere in the margins is like an SEO. A little SEO squad, right? Or like an SEO yeah. manager who kind of half time or like maybe kind of, you know, kind of has some resources, but kind of doesn't. And so because of that, like as an SEO uh, a kind of professional practitioner, it's your job to influence other teams to get things done, right? Again, whether your agency or in-house, mm. it's like you have to, you have to persuade other people to do your work for you, right? Like, you, you know, the number of SEOs that can actually fix site speed themselves, I can probably count on one hand, right? <laughs> right? Like you have to go work mm. with the engineering yep. team to make that happen. Or the number of SEOs you can actually work on like brand marketing challenges. Like again, I can count that on, on one hand, right? Um, you have to go work with, with the brand marketing team. And so it's, it's a kind of consultative discipline, no matter how you, no matter how you skin it and where you work. Um, and that's why these consulting skills, mm. soft skills are, are, are just so important. I find that, I just find that really interesting. Like 2008, I hear you, like there's a lot of, like the whole SEO industry back then, it's, it's a lot of dark arts. It's white text on a white background. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I worked at a couple of those sites where you'd, you'd highlight it. You'd be like, trust us. This, they'd be like, trust us. This works. We're like, okay, that's what we've got to do. Everyone kind of playing dirty because that's just the way you got yep. there. But interesting to hear. And that's just pure tactics. Okay. What tactics can we get this done? And your brother's consulting background really brought in into you, know, you into that mindset of, okay, so where's the, like, what can we bring to the table? It's not just tactical. Like, where's the strategy? that we, we can right. bring to the table. It's a, a, a fair bit deeper in its understanding and also in, in the way you can apply more sustainable results. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think that's the, the, just a huge gap as well in market around, we're, we're drowning in data as SEOs, right? We have so much data at our fingertips for all kinds of different things, right? We're pulling reports from this tool or looking at Search Console analytics, whatever it might be. But if we can't distill that down into a kind of clear articulation of business value, then we're never going to get access to senior stakeholders, right? We're never going to get pulled into that real high level strategic discussions. We're never going to talk about um, uh, budgeting at the right level. We're not going to get access to the people we want. We're not going to get you know, seen as senior like we want to be. If we can't get in the room, we can't talk about SEO in terms of business results and business strategy. And, and again, there's a huge gap in the market there. Mm -hmm. You know, we can talk about a million data points and all these different things and, and kind of, um, you know, what causes what and what influences what and, and you know, where, where do we stand? But unless you can really kind of distill that down into a clear articulation of, you know, the SEO opportunity in front of us is this, I need this investment to go capture it. Mm -hmm. The following projects are important, mm -hmm. right? Unless you can kind of have that distillation and clarity of thinking, you're always going to get sidelined, yep. right? The executives are always going to be like, I don't want to deal with the SEO person. They talk mumbo jumbo when I talk to them. And like, I, I, it's just too full of jargon. Like, just tell me what I need to do. Tell me how much money I should invest, right? Like, like a lot of executives are really just yep. looking for that articulation. Like, just tell me what it's going to cost. Right. And it's ironic that, you know, I work with a lot of um, in-house teams and it's ironic when when you kind of go in and I talk to the CEO and then I talk to the SEO team and the CEO is frustrated because they haven't heard a clear articulation of how much it's going to cost. And the SEO team is frustrated because they can't get the resources they want. And it's, yeah. like, it's just such a it's just a communication issue. Right. It's like the SEO team hasn't actually put together a real business case and a real strategy. And the CEO is then not giving them any resources because they haven't heard a clear articulation of like why they should get 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 the funding. And so again, that's kind of the the whole reason for being the SEO MBA. The SEO MBA, for me, is um, really trying to close that skills gap. Right, I'm trying to help educate um, SEO professionals on how to communicate better, how to drive to business value, um, how to how to operate in the room with the CEO, and and hopefully through that, not only get better at getting things done, but also actually get 
you know, more buy-in, get more, get more job satisfaction, get more things done, you know, like, like uh, have a more kind of fulfilling work environment. And there's a couple of different skills just in what you're mentioning then. Like you've got the business now to be able to go, okay, well, CEO, a CEO needs to hear the story presented in this way that's compelling enough for him to allocate resources to it. And then business house is one thing, but then you've got the communication, like the ability to actually communicate that, whether it's through presentations or verbally or written email, whatever right. it happens to be. So of those, do you find that SEOs, that one of those is a bigger challenge than the other? Like a really good SEO should have pretty good business now because the whole point of it is like you know, adding commercial value to a site. Is it more the communication side of it or is, you know, what, where's your head at with that? Both are big challenges. You know, I, I yeah. think probably if you work in-house, the biggest challenge is around business value. And if you work agency side, the biggest biggest challenge is about communication. I think that the the SEO agency way of doing things, right? The, the idea of like doing an SEO audit and, and that whole structure, I think is um, fundamentally flawed. I think the way that, you know, 90% of SEO agencies, the way they operate uh, is a self-defeating process, right? The way that they, they kind of go away and do an SEO audit without actually thinking about an SEO strategy, there's a long time lag before clients are already seeing any any value from the engagement. That's a communication challenge first and foremost, right? It's just the way that the operation structure is not up to not set up to deliver what clients actually want. But the flip side is that you know you say that SEOs should be good at talking about business value, right? And I think that there's a disconnect between looking at revenue figures, which hopefully a lot of SEOs are kind of you know, comfortable or, or you know understand that they should be doing, right? It's fairly obvious to say that we should be looking at revenue. We should be trying to articulate revenue uplift and so on. But that's different than actually putting together a business case and actually laddering back to a corporate strategy. You know, I, I actually wrote a, um, an SEO MBA email about this a few weeks ago about um, I was looking at Etsy's quarterly earning reports. And, you know, Etsy is a you know, huge company also that makes a, a ton of money from SEO, right? Like organic tra traffic is a huge channel for them. And I was looking back to their quarterly earning reports, um, you know, the, the kind of what they tell Wall Street is important for their business. And SEO was not mentioned once. Now, what's interesting about that is that like SEO is obviously important for Etsy, right? And, and I'd imagine that somewhere they're allocating some resources against it and then they're probably caring about it, right? They're probably people dedicated to, to SEO inside Etsy. But the, the narrative of it, right? The optics of SEO is, is, a, is an interesting challenge, right? So um, one of the things that I've seen time and time again is that CEOs and executive teams hate to invest in things that look like maintenance or optimization, right? They hate to, they hate to invest in things that are like, maintaining the status quo, right? Or just kind of like optimizing and tweaking levers for what they have. What, what CEOs love to invest in is growth, right? To, I'm going to launch a new market or a new product, or we're going to you know, change the way we do X, Y, and Z. And so when you, you know, in this example, I looked at Etsy's quarterly earning reports and the things that they get excited about, right? When they're talking to Wall Street are things like international expansion, things like adding videos to product listings, right? These kind of things that are new um, and additive. And if you're setting the SEO team, even if you have an SEO project, which, which kind of touches the whole site right like it is foundational you can still you can still put that through a lens to say well i want to fix our xml sitemaps but that's going to impact our international markets in the following ways right so it's about taking the things that you want to get done and aligning them to whatever the big three initiatives of the organization are right so again when we talk about business value it isn't just the the revenue value or that's obviously a component of it but it's also the kind of strategic values like is seo is considered a kind of team player right is is the seo function considered strategic can we can we help the organization meet their new goals and kind of you know three five years out are we going to be moving in the right direction versus just you know, complaining that we have to fix our tech debt and like, you know, get our site speed in order and so on. It's like, those things are important. Don't get me wrong. They're just not exciting to invest in, right? And, and I think that again is, 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 a, is a huge challenge for the SEO industry in that 
is a, a mindset shift from going from I've, I've done the audit. I, I know what the best practices are. I've got a list of things to fix. Yeah. It's moving from that mindset to yeah. a mindset that says, if I want to help the company succeed, the SEO function can contribute towards our big strategic initiatives in the following ways. Right? And, and, and it's a relatively small change in some ways, but it makes a world of difference in terms of access and perception at the, at the executive layer of, a, of an organization in particular. As, you, as you're sort of talking about that, I'm just like, well, is, is, is SEA not sexy enough? Or are we just not communicated in sexy enough way? But it really, it's just a small gap between this stuff aligns to that. We just need to be able to make that connection for CEOs who then project that out to the market to, you know, obviously right. to, to, make them, to make it look like they're heading in that direction. SEOs love to talk about Canva and the way that brand through SEO has, has been able to grow hugely. But if you look at all the reporting around their growth and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's always around you know how obviously the site's amazing from a user-friendly perspective. They've been able to go, you know, to the direct-to-consumer and then they're going more sort of corporate and it, there's all those sorts of things around their growth roadmap. Right. Not a lot, unless you're an SEO, spoken about how big a part that SEO has played in right. the growth there. But, but yeah, I guess I, I, it, it, is a, it is a it, challenge. So. It, even in that example, right, like in, uh, well, I think one of the reasons that Canva has been able to be so successful with their SEO efforts is because they can talk about their SEO efforts as being customer, like uh, customer facing, like they, they add value to the customer, right? Like you can argue and you can say, I want to put 100,000 template pages live so that when a user searches for, you know, birthday card template, Canva shows up and they can come right into the product and they can start creating a birthday card template, right? That's a story you can tell a CEO, the CEO understands, right? It's like we have, we're, we're focusing on the, on the, on the user, we're, we're adding value, right? Like we're, we're doing things that are going to drive people into the product in meaningful ways, giving people better entry points into the brand, better entry points into the product. You never have to mention SEO once, right? Um, you know, the fact that those template pages then go on to you know, pull in millions of visitors is kind of a, a happy byproduct in a certain sense, right? Um, and I'm not going to second guess exactly how that, how that work got you know, pitched and, and sold internally, but you can see how there's a way to tell that story by talking about customer value, right? And focusing on the consumer, focusing on the end user, more so than just focusing on the SEO story of like, what are these keywords we can rank for, right? And if we, like, we can go after these key, like, you know, you can see how that makes it easier. And I think that the challenge for a lot of companies, unfortunately, is that they don't have such a simple story to tell as Canva does, right? Mm. Like it, it's harder for yeah. you to, to, to paint the picture of like, well, we're gonna actually help consumers by putting these pages live, or we're gonna help consumers by investing in this, in this particular uh, direction. And I think if you can do that, then you're much better off uh, talking the language of, of, uh, of CEOs. You know, again, if you go, um, I looked at the, uh, the quarterly earning reports for um, TripAdvisor, right? Again, TripAdvisor, huge SEO business, right? Like huge SEO team, right? They don't talk about SEO once in their quarterly earning reports, right? At least not in the one that I looked at uh, uh, last time, so a few months ago. They don't talk about it, yeah. but they do talk about the, the, uh, the kind of customer uh, perception, right? The customer needs, right? User needs, right? They talk about those things. That's a, that's a way to frame our initiatives in a way that the market and executives can understand. And in fairness, that's a pure way of looking at, at like search engine optimization anyway. It is for the user. Right. Like if we're doing everything for the user anyway, it should be framed that way. So right. we're so used to talking more around the technical stuff in the background and all the other things that move us in that direction, which... You know, I've had Kate Toon on this uh, podcast a few weeks ago and we talked a fair bit about how just having, you know, come through 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, all those different big changes that happened with the algorithm. But SEOs did a really poor job of selling themselves and what they did because it was quite often painted as a dark art by the SEOs because they didn't want other people to know how it was done, you know. So in a lot of ways, you know, the, the years leading up to you becoming an SEO to doing this SEO MBA, which I want to get to in a moment, 
in a bit more depth, SEOs were kind of painting themselves into that corner. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in, in terms of just not being as open about what they're doing and how, how you know, how they're being able to, to pull results and the type of resources that they need. So then you get to a point where, you know, you've got so many people who either feel that SEOs are deliberately trying to talk technical or jargon around them. So I guess that sort of takes me back to the SEO MBA. So talk to me about the, the time leading up to when you launched it last year. When did you think, okay, there, there's a gap here that really needs to be filled? Yeah. So in the run up to launching the SEO MBA, so we're talking about basically through the start of the pandemic, beginning of 2020, all the way through 2020 and yep. into early 2021, I was working with a very big company to basically help them kind of reinvest in SEO, right? So this is a classic case of the, the CEO came to me and said, I want to make a big investment in SEO. I don't think our SEO channel is working or doing what it should be. And they had a small three-person SEO team who unfortunately had kind of been marginalized and, and pushed off to the side inside the organization, not entirely through their own fault. but And so you had this kind of mismatch, right? Like the CEO wants to invest multi-million dollars into an SEO program, but didn't have confidence that the existing SEO team could do it. Um, and so I get brought in to kind of, you know, uh, bridge the gap. And so long story short, I ended up putting a plan together um, to kind of invest in the SEO program, build out a you know, 40, 50 person SEO team uh, across SEO content and product, and then, you know, deliver that plan to the board, deliver it to the CEO. CEO is like, great, um, everyone's, everyone's signed off. Now you've got to go you know, hire me this VP of SEO. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, okay, mm. I gotta go, I gotta go find the mm. person to lead this big team. And so I, I spent a long time running senior level SEO interviews, right? So back to back to back to back week on week on week on week. I was just, you know, screening people all day long, taking interviews with really senior people, trying to get them, uh, through the funnel to try and, uh, get the, get the job. And I just had so many conversations with folks who were frankly better at SEO than I am, right? I think they knew no, more about the technical ins and outs and, and the kind of, you know, the up-to-date, uh, kind of practitioner level stuff and I did, um, but I just couldn't put them in front of the CEO, right? Like I didn't feel confident that they would be able to put together a business case and a business plan, manage a big team, you know, run a program, right, inside a big organization. And it, it all came to a head with one particular candidate that, um, we, that we found came very close to, to kind of actually giving them the job. And there was just this one hang up and I was talking to the CEO and he was like, well, they just lack this executive presence, right? And I was like, yeah. And, he, and, and the CEO said, well, Maybe you could just teach them that. Maybe we'll hire them and you could just teach them the executive presence. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> um, like, it's just, it's just like such an obvious gap in the market. Um, it's a thing that I'm, I'm in a certain sense kind of uniquely qualified to do. I, I, you kind of look at my whole career as kind of almost leading up to this moment. I love teaching. And, and that was a light bulb moment for me where I was like, oh, I should, I should do this thing. And then I found the name. I was like, oh, the SEO MBA that really fits and I was kind of off the races. So, so that's what I launched. You know, I've been out on my own for almost eight years now as an independent consultant and I've loved the lifestyle. I love, I love being a consultant and, and I've, I've really enjoyed the work, but through that whole time, I've really missed that element of coaching and mentoring and developing talent. Um, you know, I still look back at the, the team that I ran at Distilled as being some of the most rewarding work I've ever done professionally, right? Um, was kind of seeing that team, you're pulling in some juniors, seeing them grow, giving them the environment to grow, coaching them, helping them level up. And so running the SEO MBA is a, is a kind of return to that in, in, in a sense, right? It's been really rewarding for me just to have the students go through the program, dealing with folks, you know, telling tell yourself that they're getting more confident in their jobs, they're getting pay rises, they're getting new jobs, like they're feeling like the work that I'm doing is helping them get more, get more buy-in, get more respect where they work. Like that's, that's huge, right? Like for, for somebody to sit in a job and, and feel like they can suddenly have more respect where they work, like that's, that, that really warms my heart, right? That's, um, that's, uh, that's kind of the whole reason that I do it. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, so I, I launched the first course, uh, end of last year, I think it was in November. 
that's gone really well. That was a course on executive presence. Uh, and I'm just right in the middle of putting together the second course, which is all going to be about client management. So the first course was um, you know, aimed at both in-house and agency folks who want to deal specifically at that very senior level. This next course is going to be about uh, SEO professionals working at an agency who have to interface with clients. So it's kind of a pretty narrow focus. Um, it's all about client management, managing client expectations, you know, how to keep projects on track, how to get, how to convince clients to get things done, uh, all of those kind of challenges. So. This is, there's such a gap here. Like I just, from my own experience, having worked, so I'm more sort of client facing, but I've obviously got a pretty strong SEO knowledge, but I'm not a technician, but some of the best SEOs I've worked with, like amazingly brilliant individuals, but you know, they just like to work in a dark corner with their headphones on right. and they really, and if they needed something sold into to a market marketing manager or a business owner or something like that, that's where I come in and I, I'll, you know, kind of bridge that gap there. Yep. But geez, if they could do it themselves, they, they'd add a few extra a few extra zeros on what they could earn. And I feel like even just that around, we've had the challenge within our agency of having to make sure you've got, and I've, I've done a lot of soft skills training with our more technical people to try to get them to a point that we can have them one-on-one with a client on a call and not feel like, geez, I better have someone else in the room as well. So there's a huge gap there as well. So how's the course delivered? Like, is it, you'll have to sort of fill me in. Like, is it, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a self-paced course. So so I um, I did some private betas uh, of the material, which yeah. is kind of me like being like a stand-up comic, like in a basement, trying out the, trying out the materials and seeing what <laughs> works. And I do that with a small cohort of, of kind of people. We do a you know weekly Zoom session just to go back and forth and, and so on. Um, that gives me the kind of immediate feedback and dialogue with folks to check that it's working and, and so on. And then um, the first course, um, again, is all just kind of pre-recorded. So then I go in the, the video studio, I record all, all the, the video content, pair it with a bunch of kind of written content. Um, and then it becomes a self-paced thing that you can just sign up to and, and do at your own pace. Um, there's a kind of suggested five-week cadence, but again, you can you get access to everything on day one and you can kind of follow through as you want. I paired that with like a weekly office hours. So every week um, I have a, a, an hour on my calendar blocked off and folks can just drop in and we can talk about questions. We can talk about the calls, challenges you're facing at work. Um, and what I like about that combination is it gives people the kind of the freedom to learn as they want, whenever they want. Um, they don't have to wait for a cohort to start to like, you know, catch the start of the course, right? So you can sign up anytime, but it also allows folks to come with, you know, direct application. Like this is a challenge I'm facing right now. How do I solve that? Um, and so uh, I've really enjoyed doing those office hours. Um, they, they've been some really rewarding conversation. And, you know, we talked about, like I had one where we only had two people on. So just me and two, two, two SEOs, one who managed a team of 25 people and one who managed a team of 15 people. And we just had the most like amazing conversation because like, well, when can you just kind of have the right people in the room to talk about those challenges, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, it's been really yeah. nice just having that as a kind of real kind of safe space and a, and a senior level space also, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for folks to come together and, and talk and discuss discuss challenges. So, you know, I, I will say, um, I don't know, there's a whole kind of subgenre on Twitter of, of kind of course creators that, that I don't know how close you are to, but um, I will say that everyone who I respect and know and everyone I kind of look up to in the space is telling me that I will earn more money running a cohort-based course, right? So I do like, you know, once a year or twice a year, I have a big, you know, splash and it's like, you got to sign up now, the course is about to start. And then you do the kind of live class with a, you know, cohort of of a few hundred people. I think I would technically earn more money doing that, but it's just like the, it just very much changes the dynamics of of the whole course. And it also means that the price point would be higher. It would start only twice a year. So you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to thread that needle of trying to hopefully make it available to the people that need it whilst keeping some of that live interaction mm-hmm. with the office hours. But um, anyway, that was a very long winded answer to your question about mm. the, the format, which is, um, yes, it's a, it's a self-paced course. Um, you can sign up anytime, uh, but there is this kind of live component. And was the, the concept that you had in your head, 
versus the MVP that you went live with your beta version versus where it's at now? Like, is was there a big gap between what you thought people wanted them to learn and how they wanted to learn to where you've landed now? I think one of the most surprising pieces was, so I start the course, week one is all about strategy and how to actually set a good strategy. You know, there's this great, um, this great quote from the book, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, where, where good strategy is just a guiding principle with a set of coherent actions. And I kind of break that down into like, you know, most SEO audits don't have a principle attached to them, right? Just a list of things to get done. And that, that week one, actually, I think has been one of the most surprising pieces where starting at that abstract level has been like, has seems to be really useful for people, right? That kind of foundational frame of just like trying to figure out like, what is strategy and what does it mean to be strategic, right? Um, and I think that it's interesting because I think one, the SEO industry has not been good at it, right? The, the way that the SEO industry is structured around you know, audit documents and, and best practices is not helpful for actually setting a strategy. But I also think that there is this kind of, there's a, there's a particular moment in your career where you start to get more and more senior, where people start to tell you to be strategic you know, like you should be more strategic or you should, you should have better, a better strategy. And it doesn't really mean very much, right? Like those words are very empty, empty words. So giving, giving a little bit of structure and kind of formality to like, what is a good strategy? What is the structure of a good strategy? And how do you actually think about putting a strategic plan together has been a kind of surprise that was that, you know, didn't, didn't necessarily anticipate so much emphasis on that, but um, people have really, really responded well to that. Um, and, and, and again, I think it's partly because Again, those words are just meaningless until you really un- until you've kind of seen a good strategy, right? Until you kind of unpack what a good strategy looks like. When somebody tells you to be more strategic, yep. like I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. I think, right? I, well, I think a lot of the time people say that they don't know what they mean either. They just know that awesome, right? there's like an extra layer to it. You know, there's, there's an extra layer there that you're missing. Strategic sounds like a good word to pop in there. Be more right. strategic because I I feel like it's it's similar in 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 a lot of different a lot of different career paths. You get that kind of you're an adult now, you should be thinking more strategic, but right. you know, how do I piece that together? What do I do now with where you want me, you know, what you want me to be? Right. You, you talked a bit about, you know, some of the people that you look up to, you don't have to name names, you know, telling you perhaps to structure the course in a different way. But I'm curious, who, who have you looked up to over your, over your journey? I mean, you worked at Google back in the day and it's been agency side, consulting. I'd love to know early on who, who they were and then potentially over the last, as you started to formulate the SEO MBA, if it's still those people or if it evolved to others. Oh, there's a, a long list of folks that I could kind of name, I guess, and, and folks I look up to. I think uh, you know, early on in my career, obviously my brother was a huge influence. Can't I can't you know thank him enough for for setting me on the path and giving me that guidance or continuing to give that guidance. You know, I think that uh, I should give a huge shout out to the the early uh, distilled New York office, right? Um, you know, Julianne, Steph, Ron, and John um, with a with a, there was the five of us in a little kind of cage office. Um, it was like a, like a WeWork kind of situation. We had no windows in a little office in New York when I first came here, and I think. We all learned a lot together, just trying to trying to you know sell SEO into to big corporations and and try to deliver SEO work and grow that practice. Um, I think we all we all learned from each other, and that was a great formative experience. Obviously, look up to folks like yeah Will Reynolds and, and you know, Rand Fishkin, big influences early on. You know, these days I think some of the folks that I really admire, uh, folks like Arij, you know, people who are building not just a kind of SEO career, but are also building spaces to talk about SEO, education spaces to help help kind of other people level up. Um, you know, she has the, uh, the Women in Tech SEO group, uh, which is just, I don't know 
I don't know how she runs that alongside having a full-time job. It's like a huge, huge community. Um, and I know how hard it is to manage a community. So, you know, folks who are, who are building those kind of spaces. And then, uh, you know, a lot of folks I look up to kind of outside the SEO space, uh, a guy called Paul Millard, um, who runs a, uh, an online course about how to think like a consultant, strategy consultant. Um, we've become kind of friends online. Um, he just wrote a book um, about kind of the pathless path and, and stepping outside of kind of traditional career paths. Um, you know, folks like that, I think, uh, have been inspiration as I, especially as the course has, has become more and more uh, a bigger part of my revenue and, and a bigger part of kind of the next couple of years of my life, looking at other folks who are building courses online and have built a kind of portfolio of um, revenue streams. Um, th those kind of folks are increasingly interesting to me, especially the kind of folks who have done that, you know, without necessarily selling out or, or, or trying to sacrifice that, that kind of uh, initial kind of kernel of desire, right? I think there's a lot of course creators and content creators, especially when you start selling content, right? It's a very slippery path to, to suddenly selling like, you know, eBooks for 10 bucks a pop and having pop-ups all over your website and all this kind of like, you know, I, I, I'm trying really hard not to be one of those people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I made the decision to only run a single sale like once a year for the course. So I'm not constantly having these discounts and sales. Um, I don't have any pop-ups on the website. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be really kind of mindful and really focused back to that you know, my North Star, which is helping people have those aha moments and helping them get more kind of clarity and confidence in their, in their, in their professional lives. And that's kind of, that's really the guiding principle for me, more so than, you know, revenue and so on. Obviously, it's easy to say that. But, uh, you know, the nice thing is that, you know, consulting work pays really well, right? So, so consulting work is always a thing that I can lean back on. Um, and, and building the course is, a, is very much kind of choice that I'm, that I'm deciding to double down on and choose uh, even over consulting revenue. So, yeah, mm -hmm. but, it, it, you know, uh, I, sorry, that was a long way to answer your question of, <laughs> of naming okay. some names. Yeah. But, um, yeah, those are some of the folks that I'm, yeah. I'm really inspired by right now. And from if we just touch on that consult, like the consulting work that you're doing, how, do you ever find, like, who is it that brings you in? I, I imagine an SEO manager at a business isn't bringing you in, like it's, a, it's someone to CEO. And I'm curious, is there, is there a pushback from the internal, whoever's running it or the internal team? Or if there is pushback, how do you... How do you manage that? Like, what's it like getting brought into an organization cold to then, you know, try to guide them? The funny thing is, until I until I launched the SEO MBA, I'd spent the last you know eight years in my consulting profession trying to not just do SEO. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been trying really hard to, to to break out of kind of pure SEO projects into more digital strategy, business strategy work, uh, marketing strategy work, um, and I had mostly done a good job of that. Um, most of my clients that come to me are uh, C-suite, um, if not CEO. And what I like about that is that it's a very high context engagement, right? So, so when when I get to sit down with a client and we talk about, you know, why you bring me in, what is the problems you're facing, what are the challenges, what is the, the the scope of work, we're able to really get really deep into like what the challenges are, right? Not just the business challenges, which is often kind of the surface layer, but also the people challenges, which is usually kind of you know just below that, right? Like, okay, well, you're not able to do these things. You want me to help, but uh, we can talk about what the answer is right now, right? The answer is making tons of content, right? So like, why, why do you need me, right? And then usually the answer devolves into, well, the marketing team doesn't really like the product team and the product team is off, you know, building the app. So there's no resources to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, now we've got a more interesting problem on our hands, right? So um, I really, uh, I really like that. I like being able to come into organizations and, and into uh, projects where you have that context or the ability to get that context. And then, you know, in terms of, of kind of, you know, coming into an organization as an outsider, um, I've actually written a bunch of this on my blog, but I have this kind of mantra myself, which is like optimism as an operating system. And, and, you know, I think a lot of consultants come into an organization thinking that there are problems to be solved. And I very much try to not solve any problems. Um, what, what, what I look at my own role as being a kind of an enabler, facilitator, 
uh, building new capacities for the organization rather than solving problems, right? Um, and, and most of the time, again, it isn't that there is a kind of a, a difficult problem that you just need to like scratch your head and think about and then you know have the answer to. And it's much more about, okay, our current systems have kind of unintended second order consequences, right? Our current systems are just causing the marketing team to have this friction or causing the product team to have this friction, right? We're, we're not aware of what's going on in a certain way, which is causing investment in this team rather than that team, whatever it might be. And the answer then is not to fix it, but just to help everyone kind of see, get on the same page, right? It's a lot of alignment, consensus building, um, a lot of communication, obviously. You know, certainly pre, uh, pre-COVID, I was, uh, almost all my consulting work was in clients' offices, right? I'd be in their office two or three days a week. Um, I'd be sat at a desk. I'd have an email address from their company. I, I, I'd, I'd be really embedded inside the organization. Um, and you have to have that if you really want to drive change at that level, right? Um, and again, that, that is the kind of work that led me into you know, being responsible for hiring and building teams and that kind of stuff, which honestly is, you know, that's, that's really been the focus of my work over the last, you know, certainly four or five years, you know, is really trying to look at that kind of organizational design, you know, setting up, te- setting up businesses and teams for success, uh, more so than kind of in the weeds doing the work, right? Like, like week to week, right? And, and, and obviously, there's a balancing out there between, you know, the high level stuff and the strategy, quote unquote, um, and, uh, and, and the doing of the work. And you have to do a little bit of both. But uh, that's kind of how I've looked at my work uh, over the last few years. And I, I really enjoy that you can come in with context. The flip side to that is, you know, I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for folks uh, more, more junior in their career or who don't, don't get brought into clients with that context. Right? If, you come into a, if you come into a client project without the ability to really understand the context of like what's actually going on, um, it's incredibly difficult to, to get to that level of context and that level of insight with an organization, right? It's incredibly difficult to, to go from, okay, you're the SEO agency, we're going to pay you 15K a month to do SEO services, to go from that to talking about like, well, why doesn't the marketing team like the product team? And how do we deal with the CEO's weird ideas about X, Y, and Z? Like that's a, that's a big leap. Like yeah. that takes a lot of work, right? To, to get to that, that relationship with the client. So I have a lot of empathy and sympathy. You, it's a lot easier when you can get bought in <laughs> at the top to begin with, right? Um, yeah. And I've kind of, I've, I've, I've worked hard to try and get those kinds of clients, but it's, um, you know, I remember, I remember when that didn't happen and, and it's a lot harder. That's interesting too. I think like you answered that really well early in the piece when you talked about coming in and, well, not, not coming in and just going, oh, I've got all the answers. Here we are, let's do this, this, and this. Like it's, there's a lot of people stuff in there. It's, it's understanding the people that are there. It's getting them to come to those answers themselves and figure out and problem solve with them or even just point them in a direction of solving the problem themselves, right. you know? Right. So that kind of collaboration, I imagine, would make it... You're not the guys coming in with, with the tools. You're almost just, you know, maybe a spotlight and you're sort of highlighting things and letting them know what they can and can't do. And then if obviously you need to hire for resources, it, it fills in those other gaps. But yep. I can see now how... Yeah, like, because an SEO consultant, which was one of my questions, which we didn't really get to, but you kind of answered anyway. You know, there's a lot of titles out there, SEO engineer, SEO tech, SEO technician. You obviously lean towards SEO consultant. And I've, I've kind of visualized now, it's a, it's a very different thing, I guess, to, to what you know, some of those other titles are. Right. It, it, it's mostly a semantics thing, but I tried really hard to break out of the kind of freelancer label and mindset and into a consultant mindset, right? Um, again, trying to deliberately get more senior access to clients working on problems that are less well-defined and getting access to solve those challenges or, 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 you know, help the client solve those challenges, you know, versus someone who is delivering a kind of off-the-shelf service and is dealing with more junior mm. points of contact and, and so on and so forth. Is that distinction, um, in my mind, is that kind of like freelancer consultant, you know, d- divide. Easier said than done, honestly. Yep. And, and, you know, there are still many projects where I am still rolling up my sleeves and doing keyword research, whatever. It's, you know, when the work needs to get done, it needs to get done. But 
yeah, that's kind of the label that I've settled on. And I know that uh, consultant in particular is a very loaded term. A lot of folks out there who um, it causes a lot of grief for to, to actually use that consultant label and to, to consider themselves a consultant. Um, you know, certainly folks like McKinsey who have at times been lauded as like the kind of gold standard have also done nobody any favors by, by you know, being tied in with the opioid crisis and uh, a financial crash and so on. Yeah. Like the, 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 the term consultant can be a little yeah. bit allergic to folks. Um, and certainly I'm not, I'm not interested in, you know, furthering the opioid crisis, but I do think the label for me personally, at least kind of fits, right? It's like, it's the best word that I have to try and describe the work that I do. And uh, yep. again, trying to have that relationship with clients to, to solve problems with them rather than being just a, a, you know, service professional, right? You're delivering a kind of off the shelf, uh, a kind of, kind of piece of work. So we've spoken lots about the course and, and some of these skills that you need to be able to, you know, get, get investment, get resources, get, you know, get the right sort of buy-in here, there and everywhere. We haven't spoken much about, you know, Google or even any of these search engines themselves. Just a quick question. Like, what do you see as like the, the biggest, the biggest factors impacting businesses sites ability to, to, to grow their organic channels over the next sort of two, three years? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of the same. It's always been in a certain sense. I think uh, uh, user behavior and kind of um, user experience it continues to be yep. just a huge uh, ranking factor. Um, both a, I believe it's a kind of first order ranking factor in the sense that Google can directly measure some of those things, but also just a huge second order ranking factor, right? It's like if, if people aren't enjoying their experience with your site, then they're not going to return to it. They're not going to share it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Could I just jump in there? Just, yeah, could I just jump in there quickly? Mueller just said like last week that user engagement is not a ranking factor, but then lots of SEOs have jumped up and down and gone, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. You say that. But, but yeah, but said... they also say that like 302 redirects are just as good as 301 redirects and all kinds of, I mean, like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't I don't trust a lot that comes out directly out of Google's mouth. Not that I think they're like lying directly. I just think that they the way that they interpret those words is different than the way that we interpret those words. Um, and they're often only talking specifically about first order effects rather than, you know, the wider factor. Um, you know, point being, I, I fundamentally believe that most organizations are, are underinvesting, not in SEO, but they're underinvesting in the front end development of their website. And I think that, you know, when I actually wrote an, an SEO MBA email about this recently, it's like the SEO industry gets frustrated that the SEO, the SEO quote unquote, doesn't get more investment. Um, but actually, most organizations don't need more SEO investment, they need more front end development investment, right? Actually, most organizations need to think about their front end, uh, a kind of like HTML um, and kind of user experience as an iterative ongoing project instead of, you know, we put the pages live and then, you know, last time we touched them was, was last year, whatever, right? And I think that uh, if you can have that mindset, then you can very much start to build better better experiences for users, right? And honestly, that is, that's the end game, right? It's like whether it's meeting intent, whether it is page speed, whether it is, you know, putting unique content on the page that, that people want to read, like it, it, it all ladders up to that. Um, and so I think that um, for me, user experience is it's just a huge, huge kind of focus area. And in particular, it, it, again, it, it's helping organizations shift their mindset from SEO as a kind of one-time set of changes or fixes to SEO as ongoing discipline of continually trying to improve those pages, right? Um, and and you know, if you look carefully, you know, when you scroll through LinkedIn, you see all those like SEO case studies and most of them are garbage. But um, when I scroll through them and I look at the ones from the people that I follow, 
I, I just see increasingly the case studies that work are the ones where people have, have uh, done a kind of ongoing investment. So we put this page live and then we touched it again three, three months later and then we added some content and then, you know, and, that, and then the graph goes up until right, you know, and it's kind of like, I just feel like those, those situations are increasingly more like the way it works. You know, obviously my brother now runs uh, SearchPilot, which is, um, you know, kind of SEO AB testing platform. Um, he's obviously a huge believer of this kind of, you know, test and iterate approach as well. You know, uh, I, I think that, um, what, one of the reasons that you can't really trust what Google says is because Google is trying to speak to all of Google, right? And again, the ranking factors and the way that different search result pages work is different, right? Um, it's what you need for like a hotel keyword is very different than an e-commerce keyword. It's very different from a news keyword. It's very different from all these other things, right? And in some cases, you're going to need links. In some cases, you're not going to need, you know, on-page experience. In some pages, you're going to need brand. Like it's just, you know, there's a huge kind of bifurcation of what a particular search result needs. And, and, and I think that, the way to navigate that as an SEO professional who's kind of stuck between a very technical set of you know changes and, and, and insights and needing to get executive buy-in, the way to bridge that gap is custom customer journey and user experience, right? Like you have to use that language as a as a way to sell in the ideas. Because all the way back to Canva, right? We talked about the Canva experience and like the reason they can get away with putting thousands of pages live is because you can you can you can explain that idea without ever using the word SEO. And uh, and so I think that's kind of the the real focus for a lot of people. Uh, you, you know, to, to get a bit more technical, I also think that I think there's going to be a huge shakeup in the uh, product reviews space. Uh, mm. There's already been a bunch of updates and I feel like they are, you know, I think, yeah, it, remember the Panda update uh, way back in the day, right? And there was a number of updates kind of leading up to Panda. And I feel like the product review updates we've seen so far are leading up to something much bigger. When, when you, I've done a lot of work in those, in, in those spaces and those kind of businesses, and there is a... As a seismic shift about to happen somewhere um, in the next couple of years, I think uh, around those kind of keywords, um, there's just there's just the kind of the affiliate space has gotten a little bit out of control, and I don't know exactly how Google is going to course correct it, but I know that they've got to be thinking about it. Um, if nothing else, from a kind of regulatory perspective, right? It's it's getting to the stage where you can't find content around these keywords that doesn't have affiliate links in, and I think that that is a that's a that's a dangerous space for Google to put themselves in, right? They're they 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 they're putting themselves at risk by only surfacing commercial content to users. Yeah, um, that's just, yeah. That's. I think your question was hinting at like some kind of like personal opinion, like you know taking a no, no, that's uh, taking a look no, at the crystal good. ball, and that's my that's my best guess yeah. of, of, of what's going to change. So. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Just on that, just excuse my naivety, but are you saying that you feel that? like the affiliate sites and those third-party review platforms, all those sorts of things, like the either the commercial element to how those reviews are served is counter to what the searchers want to see or that there's some there's dodgy volumes of reviews out there that are influ influencing the SERP or what, what are you saying specifically? I think there's a number of different factors. I think that the, the, the key issue is that it's very difficult for like the it's almost like the system has, has been set up in a such a way that if you have a product that doesn't have an affiliate program, there's almost no way for users to find it. And I have seen how the sausage is made, right? I've worked with enough of these companies and I'm certainly not going to name names, but every single one of these editorial sites will tell you that, oh, well, our commerce team is over here and, you know, affiliates, uh, I, 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 I commerce team is over here. They don't talk to each other. It doesn't influence it, right? And you have the disclaimer at the top of the page. And I haven't seen too many kind of like blatant, like, like really terrible kind of behavior. 
but to say that they don't influence each other is is nonsense. And so I think that we, we're just we're just kind of ending up in a situation. It's kind of a self reinforcing program of like the the products that have affiliate programs are the ones that bubble to the top, and and the the visibility is sucked out for for anything that doesn't. And I think that that's a bad situation for Google. So I think I think Google is mindful of that being a, 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 a um, that's the reality where we are today. And I think that I don't think they know exactly how to fix it. Um, I don't know exactly how to fix it, but I think that they're looking at it right. The 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 kind of the most negative kind of outlook from an SEO perspective is that Google decides to fix it itself, right? By saying actually like our AI now machine learning is good enough that if you Google best headphones, we can tell you what the best headphones are. We don't we don't need to have any 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 editorial sites in the mix, right? And you know I think for a long time Google has been wary of doing that because um, you know you certainly rewind like five years, Google was terrified of doing anything that impacted news sites revenue. Right, because that was such a big deal. It was like, you know, if we cut off a revenue source for the Washington Post or New York Times, that's going to look so bad for us, right? We had this lawsuit over in Europe and blah, 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 blah. So they've been terrified of doing anything that attacks publishers' revenue directly. But you look at some of the practices the publishers are doing, and certainly, uh, for example, in the coupon space, right? Um, you look at coupons, a ton of the publishing sites now just simply rent out a subdomain to a third-party coupon business and then have a revenue share back. To, to for all the coupons they generated, right? And you go to, uh, you know, coupons.publisher.com. And again, I'm not going to name names, but you can find them easy enough. And you look at the experience there and you're like, this is, this, this, nothing about this is, is ties back to the publisher, right? Like none of the editorial oversight that the publisher has for their news content. Um, like it's a, just a pure SEO arbitrage play, right? And I think that practices like that have, are starting to poison the well for publishers where Google is starting to get enough of a case where they can be like, actually, you know, we didn't want to touch publishers' revenue because publishers are, are, are precious, right? And we want publishers to exist in the world and blah, blah, blah. And, and yet, <laughs> look at what you've done, right? Look at how badly behaved you've been. And, yeah. uh, and I think that that's going to come to a head. In, uh, uh, and it isn't just coupons, right? I think the whole space is, uh, is, is ripe for destruction. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of the most authoritative ones come out like smelling nicely, right? Like, People like the wire cutter, right? Who who claim this big editorial integrity and come from the New York Times, and you know, I'm, my guess is that they will probably benefit the most. But I'm I'm guessing that there is a, or I know that there is a big kind of middle class of uh, of those kind of commerce publishers, many of which I think are going to get are going to get um, unfortunately targeted negatively when Google comes talking. And I don't I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, you know, it's been kind of boring for a little while. We've already seen a couple of product review updates over the last few years. If I could, if I could look in a crystal ball, crystal ball, that's probably one of the things that I would, I would see. Cool, Tom. That's been awesome. Now you've, you've outlined a huge amount around your course and your journey and all that sort of stuff. Fantastic conversation. What I'm going to get into now, every, uh, every episode, we have our Vox Pop. So there's a range of questions. I'm going to fire them at you quick fire Great. style. Don't think too deeply on each one and I'll just move on to the next one. So sure. ready, set. Which previous Google algo change still keeps you up at night? Panda. Gun to your head. Which do you prefer, content or links? Content. What's the most effective link building technique that you've used? Direct outreach. Is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Yeah, pass. That's a funny one. I've got a long long answer to that that isn't going to fit in this box box, so I'll pass on that one. What do you love most about SEO? Helping users. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? I think content has been a huge part of my life, and I, you know, I, I started blogging when yeah. I got into the SEO industry. So I think I think content yeah. production on the web has been a uh, yeah change change the course of my life. So I'll go with that. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life. Uh, work from home. SEMrush or Ahrefs. Go the SEMrush. I think that 
Yeah, I'm going to qualify at SEMrush. Agency or in-house or combo? Can I go consultant? <laughs> Yeah, you can go. I'm going to take the third path. Yeah, third option. Excellent. Tom, that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No worries. If if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? SEOMBA.com and TomCritchlow.com. I'm also pretty active on Twitter at TomCritchlow. Yeah, reach out. That's been Tom Critchlow of the SEOMBA. You've been listening to SEO Success Stories. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, jump on. Write us five stars on Apple, Pocket Cast, Google, all, all the places, Spotify, etc. If you enjoyed what Tom spoke about, definitely sign If you're an SEO and you're not signed up to the newsletter, definitely sign up. Amazing content in your inbox. Course looks great too, and I probably want to talk to you about the course as soon as we stop recording. Thanks so much for listening to SEO Success Stories. My name's Russ, and uh, I'll be in your ears again very soon. Thank you. <laughs>